0: Whether it's comedy, action-adventure, drama, horror, and everything else in between, all movies at least have one thing in common. They all share a message with you. This is Movie Night Apologetics, where I, Movie Apologist Clark, review and examine movies and their messages from a Christian perspective. Well, what is up movie lovers? Welcome back to the Movie Night Apologetics Podcast. We're going to have an interesting episode for you today because we're going to be talking about the national treasure movie, the great, famous, the most bet, the best actor in the whole wide Hollywood industry, Nicolas Cage, my friends, in this riveting, exciting, action-packed adventure movie and there's a few things that I want to talk about that I want to bring up and this movie is actually brought to you by one of my buddies from work. His name is Luke and he is a huge Nicolas Cage fan and he said, hey, I would love for you to do the movie on National Treasure. And I thought, okay, I've seen the movie before. I watched it again for this episode, and I thought, all right, let's do this. Let's get into it. So if you don't know what actually National Treasure is all about, uh, let me just read you the plot of the movie. So the plot of the movie goes like this, I'm reading from a Wikipedia site thing, whatever. Historian and codebreaker Ben Gates, Nicholas Cage has been searching his whole life for a rumored treasure dating back to the creation of the United States, joining an expedition led by fellow treasure hunter, Ian Howe, Sean Bean or Sean Ben, I don't know how you pronounce it, Gates finds an ice-locked colonial ship in the Arctic Circle that contains a clue linking the treasure to the Declaration of Independence. But when Hal betrays him, Gates has to race to get the document ahead of his so-called colleague. Now, I got to tell you what, this movie, I loved it. I absolutely enjoyed it. I think it was a really good movie. I mean, sure, it's Nicolas Cage, Like, honestly, he's not the greatest actor in the world. I was just joking before. But some people think he does, like my friend Luke here, that suggested the movie. But it it was a good movie. It had a good flow to it. It kept a nice pace. And I loved it. But there were... A few ridiculous parts, like honestly, let's just start with the first scene. Well, maybe not the first scene, but the, when they were going to the Antarctic and they find the ship. Well, the ship has never been found. How in the world did they just pull up like a few miles from outside of this town and they find the ship, they go down underneath within, I don't know, a few hours, they get down there, they find, you know, a bunch of barrels, nothing, and then Nicholas Cage is like, hmm. This guy that uh is holding this barrel, uh, why is he protecting this and then he breaks open the barrel, there's this pipe in there and then he's like, "Wow, it's so cool. There must be this must be a clue." And then he like breaks the pipe apart. <laughs> and I was, I was like, "How how do you know to break the pipe apart for one?" Do like when he pricked his finger with the knife and put his blood on the script. I mean, when he rolled it out, it was like the start of it to the finish of it, perfectly. How did he know the beginning from the end? Like, if that were me, I would have probably started like at the middle, and it would have been like backwards or something. But, anyways, that's that's besides the point. And then the whole thing of them just taking a couple days to figure out how to steal the Declaration of Independence. Honestly, how do you know about all the security stuff? I mean, would they really like tell you that? I I, I don't know. It just seems a little bit far-fetched. And when they found the freaking glasses, they went up on this roof. They're like, okay, this shadow uh from is it's casting a shadow from with the sun whatever you know how that works you know the sun it presents a shadow of the object it's casting upon whatever and it's casting right onto the brick that they need but it's like when they put that in was it the exact day that they found it because honestly you know the way the sun works like it you know you got the earth tilting And that that shadow would have been at a way different spot, more than likely. The chances of that happening are zero to none. But somehow, uh, they, they just landed on the most perfect day. And anyway, so, those are my only few complaints about the movie. I mean, there's other things that I could say, but to keep it short... You know, that's what we're gonna do. But thank you Luke for recommending to me National Treasure and honestly, stick to your convictions of Nicolas Cage being the best actor. Because I personally love 600 Pound Life, Biggest Loser, 1000 Pound Sisters, and I think they're great shows. They're some of my favorite shows. I love Survivor. Like, stick to your convictions on those. Because, you know, if you like, if your dirty pleasure, your dirty little secret, whatever, your guilty pleasure, that's what I meant to say, is you're a big Nicolas Cage fan and you really think he's the best actor, well then... More power to you, I guess. But anyways, what I want to get to the, the uh, crux of this movie, and because what I like to do is I like to watch movies and examine them from a Christian perspective. And there were two scenes, so to speak. I mean, we could talk about more, but there were two scenes that I really want to talk about that I uh, want to go over. And the two scenes are the guy falling to his death, uh, the bald dude, following to his death when they were in that uh ruckety rusted staircase going down right before they found the treasure. And then the other scene is with when Ben was with the cop and the cop was like, Well you got two doors here. And then I actually I also want to just briefly talk about the motivation between Ian and Ben Gates. Um, the motivation of them finding the treasure. So those are the really kind of like the three things I briefly want to cover. And then, uh, yeah, you know, that's what we're going to do. So let's talk about with, um, the idea and one of the main themes of this movie is the pursuing riches, pursuing treasure, right? so the one scene, that I wanna go over was again, the bald dude falling to his death when stepping on a rotten piece of wood. Now I'm in the process of memorizing one of the things that I do while I work at SEL and I haven't been always been good about it, but I like to memorize a verse a day and really um just memorize books of scripture. And so right now I'm in the process of memorizing James and wanting to just soak God's word and internalize it in, in my, in, you know, in my spirit in my soul, because I, I want to be, uh, I want to think like God thinks. I want to, because, you know, if we get to the renewing of the mind, then we can outwardly, we can outwardly worship and serve him as best as we can. So, I'm memorizing James, and as I was watching this movie, I kind of uh, had James 111 come to my mind, which says, The sun rises with scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And remember... You had Ian and he had a few other of his minions, so to speak, and they were pursuing the treasure. And as they were pursuing it, this guy, he, he just steps on a rotten piece of a staircase and he falls to his death so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit. Now, you can say that he probably wasn't rich because he was trying to kill somebody in the pursuit of finding this treasure. Okay, I get that. But again, as he was pursuing riches, he faded away in the midst of his pursuit. And that's kind of like all of us, really. Um, You know, we kind of live in this Americanized culture, this Western culture that was like, okay, we need to obtain, we need to get, we need to have, we need to acquire, we need to retire. Yeah, that's a rhyme. I just made it up. And we just want, 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 give me, give me, give me, give me. I want all the money in the world. But at the end of the day, Again, 10 out of 10 people die. You know, there was this meme that I, I really loved. I really appreciated it because it was this, it was this guy. It, it, it was a cartoon, but it was this guy. He was chasing money and like in the wind and he was chasing it. He And in each little thing, each little scene, he was collecting more and more and more. And then at the end of it, he has all this money in his in his arms and it's like wow he made it and then he's at this cliff and it says death and there's another bible verse that i honestly remembered as i was doing as i was thinking through this and it is in mark 8:36 8:36 and, and it says what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, this is Jesus' words, and yet forfeit his soul. Now, just imagine and picture with me for a moment. You have the world. You own all the property. You own all the businesses. You own all the money. You have all the power, prestige, fame, Everything that that you see in this life, everything is yours. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And basically the rhetorical question is, or maybe a rhetorical question is, some people is nothing. Like, you don't profit anything. Like your soul is so valuable. I mean, like, honestly, I, um, there's a famous evangelist by the name of Ray Comfort that I've listened to. And one of the things that he asks people when he evangelizes to them and he, he says, you know, would you sell your eye for a million dollars? You know, would you, or would you sell both your eyes for a million dollars? And I most of the time, 99% of the time, people say no. And it's like, why is that? It's because eyes are precious. They're the, like one of the most precious things. Like, you know, if I had to only keep one uh, sense, I would keep my eyes my eyes are so valuable. It helps me to see and interact and move. And, you know, who cares about taste? You know, if I didn't have taste, well, guess what? I would probably lose weight. Um, I would get more fit. I wouldn't eat as bad because, hey, everything tastes the same. So why eat a cupcake, you know? You know, hearing. So it's like, well, why Why hear? All right. So don't really touch. It's like, well, I mean, that one's kind of important. But I don't think as important as the eye So basically what I'm getting at is the eye are, the eyes are the very window to your soul. And why would you give up something so precious for something so little? So anyways, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Would you do that? Would you? want all the world, and then yet stand before a holy God and be separated from Him for eternity. So it's just something to think about, because I think a lot of the times when we pursue riches, we, I mean, the Bible is very clear. It's like, you cannot have two masters. I will, Either you will serve the one and hate the other, and you cannot serve both God and money, it says. And I just want to be clear on this is that money is not evil in and of itself. Hey, go make money. Money is a good, valuable resource that you could use for the benefits of God's kingdom. It's the love of money that is condemned in scripture. It says the Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, so remember money 's not evil in and of itself, just like bricks aren 't evil, but you can use bricks to do destructive things you can you know throw a brick at a glass window at a bank or something, right? Or you can build it to make a house for somebody. Same with money. You can use money for God's kingdom or you can use it for selfish gain. So I don't want you to listen to this and think, oh, he thinks money's evil. No, 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 i th- I think money is a good, valuable resource, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So we need to keep that in mind. And one of the things that... um one of the other things that I really love to do is I, you know, I've been on the podcast before on the whale. I told you guys that I sing to my kids at night and I sing them good old fashioned hymns because hey, that's, you know, that's the real music. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking on that, but you know, there is some value to the hymns and The hymn that I just memorized last month for the kids is Be Thou My Vision, and here's a verse that I wanted to read to you, or maybe sing to you. Maybe I'll sing to you. Sorry, Luke. Sorry if you're going to hear this and uh, hear my horrible singing voice, but so there's this verse in the Be Thou My Vision that I think really pertains to this, and it says, Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. You know, one of the things is when, as I get older, I really want Christ and I want God to be my treasure. I don't want to, because because again, all this that we see is eventually going to perish. But God who is eternal, who is worthy, who made us, who created us, who knit, he, he wonderfully made us in our mother's womb, he's the one that should be our treasure. And so that's really where I want to, um, kind of like in that part, because I think you know we should set our eyes and focus and treasure Christ rather than like riches and money and stuff and things on this world or in this world, I should say. So now, let's just talk briefly about what I believe to being to be the springboard of the discussion of substitutionary atonement because I think it kind of hinted at it in this movie. And I really appreciated it because, you know, I can use this little scene to springboard into the discussion of substitutionary atonement, which is like one of the most beautiful, doctrines in all of scripture, it's because, because, and if you don't know what substitutionary atonement is, I'll just kind of like read you the definition of it really quick. Substitutionary atonement, also called the, vicarious atonement is the idea that Jesus died for us. There is also a less technical use of the term substitution in discussion about atonement when it's used in the sense that Jesus through his death did for us, which we can never do for ourselves. So in this scene, And this is a scene where Ben and that one FBI dude is talking when they catch Ben. And he's like, all right, there's two doors. Door number one, you go to prison for a very long time. Door number two, we're going to get back the Declaration of Independence. You help us find it. And you still go to prison for a very long time. But, hey, you feel better inside and then Ben, gets, ben, ben Gates Ben Ben Gates Ben Gates says is there a door that doesn't lead to prison okay like i honestly don't blame the guy in not wanting to go to prison especially when <laughs> especially when he's trying to do the right thing he did a wrong thing but he's doing a wrong thing for a right reason so i i mean i don't blame the dude But then uh, Sadusky, the FBI, he starts laughing and says, someone's got to go to prison, Ben. And why I want to springboard in uh, the substitutionary atonement is because, it. I mean, really, a crime has been committed. Somebody has to pay the penalty for that crime. Whether it was done, you know, whether that crime was done out of, um, a right heart. I mean, Ben still broke the law, right? I mean, he still stole the declaration of independence and somebody has to pay. And so that's the beautiful thing about the cross is that the cross is kind of like this. All right. I mean, Again, Jesus didn't come and break laws. He came and fulfilled laws, Scripture says. But let's look at it from this point of view. Wouldn't it have been just amazing if Ben... Okay, so he's at the end, and the guy's like, okay, somebody's got to go to prison. And Ben's like, man, I don't want to go. But, you know, I love Ian so much, even though he tried to kill me. Even though like try to blow me up at a ship and try to shoot at me and kill me and backstab me and leave me underground to die while he went to search for the treasure where he thought it was, even though he did all that, I am going to say take me to prison because I love Ian so much and I want to pay the price that he deserves. And in the same way, that is what Jesus did for us on the cross. We were the ones that disobeyed Jesus. We were the ones that sinned. We rebelled all the way from garden, all the way till the end of human humanity. Will we have been the people that rebelled against Jesus. And Jesus could have easily said, you know what? Hey, um... Yeah, no, you guys are hosed like you do deserve my wrath. You deserve to be separated from me for eternity. But yet he said, no, I am going to take their place. I am going to pay the penalty for their sins. I'm going to atone for their sins. I'm going to live the life that they could not live. And I'm going to die the death that they deserve so that when they place their faith in me, they will be saved because I have lived the life that they cannot live and I Rose from the dead, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what we place our hope in for the atoning work for our sins. That's what we trust in as Christians. So, and uh, so this was just a really good springboard to say that, you know, that like in our justice system, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, this is what Jesus did. You're in court. Say you broken a law, and you're standing before a judge, and you're just like, "Okay, listen. Um, yeah, I mean, you robbed 20 banks. Uh, you, you know, you broke other laws. You owe about 20 billion dollars. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just making up a number, a, a number that nobody, unless you're Jeff Bezos or somebody, could ever, you know, ever pay off." And so the judge is like, okay, that's what you owe to get out of prison. And here walks in the judge's son, and he says, hey, judge, and, you know, this is the son that um, maybe you stole from, right? And the, the judge's son says, hey, I will pay their fine for them. And then guess what? The judge can legally dismiss your case and you could be let go. That's the beauty of the cross. That is the beauty of of it. That's why I'm a Christian because there's no other religion that's going to offer that. Like my sins are atoned for on the cross because of what Jesus did, because he paid the fine. And that is offered to you if you play, if you repent and place your faith in him, if you trust in that. So anyways, I think that was just a beautiful scene to just springboard into substitutionary atonement. Now, I want to talk just briefly before we cut out here is the motivation between the two guys, because I think, honestly, it was really kind of cool to see um, the, the contrast between the two. So you had Ian who, the one guy who's like, I just want the treasure all myself, whatever the cost, I'm going to kill my buddy that I've been working with, whatever the cost, I'm going to get that treasure. And then you had Ben who actually did get the treasure and instead of keeping half for himself, which he rightfully could have done, instead he wants the world and museums to have it so that other people can enjoy it. And so in the same way as like, you know, if you come to Jesus and, you know, I just talked about substitutionary atonement and you're thinking, Oh sweet. Okay. I get my sins atone. Okay. Boom. Why are you coming to him? Is it just to get out of hell free card? Because I know that, I mean, honestly, that is a big um, incentive to do. Like, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be internally separated from God. And so, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, that's not a good motivation. It is to some extent. But but why do you want the king of the universe? Why do you want to repent and follow him and trust him as your Lord and Savior? Why do you want him? Why do you want him to be the king of your life? Is it just to get out of hell and have no pain for eternity, no suffering, no weeping, gnashing of teeth? Or is it because you love him and you want to share the greatness of who he is with others. Just like kind of like what Ben Gates did. He gets the treasure. He gets the, like the best treasure in like, I mean the, the best earthly treasure in the world. I mean, way better than lottery. I mean, like, I mean, what was it like 500 billion or something? I can't remember. He just gives, I mean, he just wants to share it that all that history with people. And, and it's kind of the same thing with us, it's like, why do you want to be a disciple? Like, again, motives matter to Jesus when we come to Him. Again, we're not going to have perfect motives. I know when I came to Christ, like my motives aren't what they are now. And 10 years, I hope my motives are even better than they are right now. So I'm on this process of sanctification while I am fully, like, redeemed and I'm fully uh, justified because of what Jesus did on the cross. I hope that Through the process of walking and following and being obedient to Him that my heart posture and my motives change. But it's, but it's honestly like, why do you want Jesus? Is it just to get out of hell? Is it just that or is it? Man, I just I want people to know. Like I w like I wanna know him and man, I hope he changed my heart to share it with other people. And that's and that's what I do here. I mean that's one of the ways I do it here is like I wanna share people I wanna tell people about Jesus on here and in the lens of movies. So anyways I, I, I truly appreciated this movie. It was a wonderful movie. Thank you, Luke, again, for recommending it to me because, like, honestly, when you recommend it, I'm like, well, I don't know what to talk about. And then I, you know, as I watched it, I was like, oh, I could talk about this, this and this. And I could, I mean, I could go over other stuff, but, you know, honestly, I'm just going to leave it there, um, because I like to keep these episodes around 20 or 30 minutes and, uh, just kind of give some, brief thoughts about it and i so i appreciate it thank you guys for just being here um if you want to reach out to me on my discord at movie night apologetics uh, feel free to, and recommend to me a movie. I would love to hear your thoughts and your comments on the episode or, you know, maybe the movie, maybe you have like another idea or another perspective um, about the movie that would be just really uh, impactful for me. I would just love to hear that and get to know your thoughts and what you think about it. So anyways, Thank you guys for listening to the show. We'll be back next week. And as my friend Blaine always says, as we are done at the movies, he says, don't party too hard without me. What? Catch you guys later. Whether it's at home or at the movie theaters, Movie Night Apologetics exists to help you, the listener, know the Christian worldview through the movie's messages. I am Movie Apologist Clark, and this is Movie Night Apologetics Podcast.